0: The market has been doing well uh, you know, under Trump's uh, administration. He wants to see the market do well. That is how he measures his success. And that's how he's trying to say, hey, everybody, look at your 401k. They're doing great. You know, this is, this is the kind of presidency I have. So that's going to be his message. Uh, as far as what other kind of metrics and mechanisms are going to be out there, like the Fed growing their balance sheet to help this out, you know, there's going to be some debate about that. Some of the interesting things we've seen is that despite the market going up like this, we're also seeing bonds go up, so TLT. We're seeing gold, uh, precious metals, start to go up. And we don't usually see those go up when an equity market is strong, and we're trying to figure out where these disconnects are coming from and why.
1: Thanks for watching this RTD interview. Don't forget to pick up your RTD Scary George Round, only available at stboyard.com. Now, enjoy this interview. Welcome to this RTD interview. Today, I'm excited to have first-time guest T.G. Watkins joining us here to share his thoughts on the financial markets and a variety of other subject matter. He's a director of stock trading at Simpler Trading, and today he's joining us to share his thoughts. So, T.G., welcome to RTD. Well, thank you very much. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. I uh, appreciate you taking time to uh, sit down with us and share your thoughts on the equities markets. And so, for my viewers, uh, we're predominantly a precious metals type of channel, and so the equities markets is something I'm looking to find out more about in depth from your standpoint and get your thoughts as to where it's set, where it's heading. But before we dive into that, uh, can you give us a little bit of information as to
0: who TG is and how you've arrived at this point in your career? Yeah, well, the short synopsis is that I graduated with manufacturing engineering. So the way my brain kind of works is very engineering like. And then I sidestepped. I worked with uh, New York Life as a financial advisor for a few years. And then I kind of took that and I rolled it over into stock trading because my my dad managed his own money when I was growing up so I always kind of would sit on his lap and look at charts it was something that kind of came back to me and it was a a passion I wanted to do because I liked the idea of being self-employed and so I, I was stock trading for several years took me a long time to kind of figure it out finally got some stuff figured out and created my own indicator turned that into a business ran that for a few years and then I wanted to get even bigger and better and then that's where I ran into John Carter who owns and started simpler trading and now I've been here for about a year and I love it. I get to go and uh, meet a lot of people. I have a bigger channel. I get more people I can go out there and help, help, help them grow their money and figure out ways to trade and just you know, do what they want to do as far as their financial future.
1: Sounds good. So I appreciate you for sharing that with us. And so I'm curious to find out. And so I guess you know, we, we can go right into the equities markets. And so I'm definitely looking forward to finding out more information according to your perspective and background. And so right now Dow Jones seems to be the leading indicator and our president loves to use uh, that particular measurement as a guide and gauge for the health of our economy. But on the more of the contrarian viewpoint, I have questions and concerns about that. So I want to find out your thoughts. But at this current moment, roughly 29,000, I'm not sure what it is today, but 29,000 Dow. And, and so, you know, is, is there anything that concerns you about um, where the equity market is now and where it could possibly go? Any chance of a correction? How severe? Give us some things that could probably uh, concerns you.
0: Yeah. Well, right now we are in a bit of a correction. It started uh, Thursday, Friday. And really when it comes to the markets, when we see things really start to pick up a lot and very quickly, they become stretched and unsupported. And that's kind of what we've been seeing in the market actually for the last couple months. We've all been sitting here like, all right, you know, when is this thing gonna pull back? You know, it's not it's not often that price just keeps going up and up and up and up. And we finally starting to see some of that as of late last week and then today we got a pretty big gap down over the weekend. Part of what we're seeing is the, that's really started this move is that the Fed is starting to expand their balance sheet, which basically means uh, QE, so qualitative easing. They tell us not to call it that; they're not calling it that, but you know that's basically what it is. They're starting to pump some money into the markets, and you know we we are a little concerned about that. What's going on with it? What does that mean? But otherwise, the the rest of the market seems to be doing very well. It's just that right now it's a little overheated, so we appreciate these pullbacks. We do look for price to come back down you know, we want them to be reset and that way it kind of sets the next motion off. And so far, everything's looking okay for now. Right. Sounds good. So I'm curious to find out your
1: thoughts based upon your analysis. And so assuming that you do a lot of technical analysis and yeah, yeah. things of that nature. And so I, I'm, I have no, you know, no, <laughs> uh, education in that particular subject matter and how to do it. So I'm curious to find out some of your, some of your measurements and guiding and, and, and some of your processes for discovering true undervalued share stocks that you can get into. And because, uh, you know, a lot of the concerns that I have a lot of my guests have is the fact that the the P E ratios is a little bit abnormal, give or take prior historical aspects and all the technical things. And so I personally don't know what's good or what's from bad. So how do you, how would you grade and recognize something worth looking into further and possibly investing in it?
0: we're a little bit shorter term than something like that with the pe ratio we don't we're that's more like fundamentals we're more technical so we really do kind of just look at the charts and we do look at other metrics that are a little bit quicker to uh, understand we look at the put call ratio for the overall market which has been extremely low for several weeks and that was one of the things that we've been looking at saying well you know how long can this thing how, how long can the put call ratio stay this low and today we're starting to see it you know jump right back up so it's starting to get back into a more normal situation Uh, Another thing that we look at is the short interest. So we love short interest. because, And what that means is how much of the stock that's out, how much of the float are people holding short, meaning they want it to go down. And what happens is when those those shorts are wrong and the price starts to go up and they need to get out, they can't just get out. They actually have to buy the stock back in order to get out. So it's almost like it's double buying. And that can really, it's what we call a short squeeze. It can really make the, the market or this particular stock just really take off. And so that's one of the things that we look at quite a bit. Looking at some of the other stocks, trying to figure out what that is, we've been seeing a lot of um, kind of, well, some newer names, some older names, Shake Shack, Beyond Meat, uh, CGC, Cron, you know, some of the the weed stocks out there, Uh, SDC, which is Smile Direct, Uh, PIN, Pinterest, a lot of these stocks have been beat up for a very long time. They go into the end of the year, they finish their tax loss selling, and there's no one left to sell, and all this high short interest has to go someplace. And so, when the when the uh, the match lights, uh, the shorts have to get out, and it really spikes these things up. And we saw a major rally the last couple of weeks in these. We're letting them kind of fade back down, and we're looking to get back in in a couple of weeks.
1: Interesting. So appreciate you for sharing that. And so well, earlier on, you referenced uh, things that concern you and the uh, repo market, QE, all that stuff that's happening right now. I would imagine that, and a lot of people would say that. The amount of liquidity that's been provided into the markets to whatever institutions that that needs them, is also correlated with uh, the the increase of the of the Dow, especially and every, I'm sure everything else. And there's there's graphs out there that shows you know as QE went up or not QE went up, so did the equities, and it's a correlation of, of where people think that it's direct injection and the increase in value of the equities markets. Would you say that's kind of similar and and connected and? Is that going if, if there if this not QE continues as it is now, do you see also equities also continuing a trend along with it, therefore creating creating a higher you know share price of the Dow?
0: Yeah, generally. We're gonna be seeing that. We're gonna be seeing QE apparently keep 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 growing, you know, the Fed's balance sheet. The market has been doing well, uh, you know, under Trump's uh, administration, he wants to see the market do well. That is how he measures his success. And that's how he's trying to say, hey, everybody, look at your 401k. They're doing great. You know, this is, this is the kind of presidency I have. So that's going to be his message. Uh, as far as what other kind of metrics and mechanisms are going to be out there, like the Fed growing their balance sheet to help this out. You know, there's going to be some debate about that. Some of the interesting things we've seen is that despite the market going up like this, we're also seeing bonds go up. So TLT we're seeing gold, uh, precious metals start to go up. And we don't usually see those go up when an equity market is strong. And we're trying to figure out where these disconnects are coming from and why. The The bond situation, I think, is because the interest rates have been going down. The Fed has been lowering interest rates. So you know the price of the bond goes up. We're looking at that. As far as precious metals, we're thinking that people are trying to hedge against a low interest rate environment, basically, you know, because bonds are low, like, where else are people going to put their safe money or their hedging money? Well, probably put it into precious metal. We are seeing a little bit of tension, not so much with China anymore, but, you know, maybe a little bit of the Middle East. So that tends to raise gold. These are some of the things that we're trying to kind of understand in the greater macro scenario that's going on with with the overall market. Interesting. Now, assuming,
1: you know, you just you're not just limited to the U.S. and the economy and all the events happening here. In your personal p- opinion, from a macro standpoint, all the activity happening outside our country. So right now, as of today, you know, the, the Wuhan situation looks to be mm-hmm. something that can impact uh, equities globally. And so are there any you know concerns that you as someone who probably, you know, does work short term, I suppose, you know, investing long term in certain portions of the equities market. Is there things that concern you based upon outside events that could
0: cause some issues within our country or outside equity markets or other nations? So far, we haven't been seeing too much. You know, this outbreak that has been happening in China, we're trying to put this into context. I mean, I forget the the stats, but people are saying like, you know, how many thousand people die from the flu every year? or how many people die in car accidents every year, compared to the number of people who are dying uh, in the, the flu over there with this disease in China. So we're trying to put it in perspective, we're trying to you know, really see is this, is this more of a news situation, the, the market kind of coincides. We've been looking for a pullback with the market with this, it just has been coinciding with this, this you know, epidemic, you know, outbreak situation. So, you know, there's a lot of times that things kind of line up and we try and figure out if it's real or is it just an excuse or is it just the news that's trying to, you know, we're, or are we just looking for an answer? For the most part, we're not going to be too worried about it so far. You know, if we start seeing something that is more impactful on our shores, like if it starts to come over here, I, I've had heard rumors I need to look a little bit more. I've heard like one to maybe three people in America. That doesn't seem like it's too big of a deal yet. But. So far, it seems like they're working on it. They're gonna try and keep it contained. I think uh, you know, years ago when we had the Ebola thing, you know, America was on that pretty strongly and made sure that it didn't go anywhere and that we contained it. I imagine we're gonna be doing the same thing here with this thing.
1: All right, good, good point there. Now, another you know, possible indicator that I've noticed in, in prior months and years is how it looks like the current administration, um, especially President Trump's activity on Twitter seems to cause a little bit of you know spikes or so, so whenever whenever our president tweets in a sense there's usually some activity and i i i from my standpoint I'm curious to find out how much of an impact on the president's tweets whether it's a strong economy whether he's mad at the fed or reserve or he's you know just being himself how much of that does that play on, a, on the day to day or your long term concern on certain
0: portions of sectors in the equities market or or not at all. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you see me laughing and smiling about this. Uh, Back when uh, Trump was starting his presidency, it was a big thing. He was going after some companies. He really was talking about them, either in a positive or negative way. And then he transitioned into the Fed situation that he was kind of ripping on about them a lot of that is kind of gone by the wayside. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that's keeping him busy, a lot of other news that's keeping him busy, a lot of stuff that's going on. So we're not seeing too much of that anymore that's directly affecting the market. I mean, it definitely was a thing when the, the Fed was trying to figure out, okay, what are we doing about interest rates? Are we going to raise them, lower them, whatever? And then back when he was kind of bashing on some companies or trying to get companies in here, there were people who actually were trying to make trading bots to read his tweets and then go you know, look at that stock and either buy or sell it. It's kind of calmed down amazingly. So, And the other thing I've been noticing is he's just been retweeting a lot of stuff. So it's actually kind of hard to pick out when he kind of has his own particular or or own personal tweet uh, that might be going someplace. But as I said, I think most of the tweets right now aren't really about any specific thing related to the market or a company. And so we haven't been seeing any direct correlations yet. So far, he's just been a big cheerleader for the market and for America. And so it's been going up for quite some time. Yeah, that you mentioned bot,
1: and so yeah. I, I realized looking at uh, President Trump's Twitter account, there's a lot of like 3 a.m. tweets and 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. so, so, just as a you know opinion piece, what's the chance that our president has a bot and that has some type of automated? Every now and then, he has something set
0: up to where it just throws out certain tweets on certain subject matter. So what, what's the chance? It, I think that uh, he's got staff. I think that's what I'd be looking at is he is staff and, you know, maybe they are up at all hours of the night. I mean, some of the, the Senate stuff that's going on, they've been going till two o'clock in the morning. So it, it, it's possible. And, and I just also wonder about the, the direct correlation of when somebody sends out a tweet and when we might actually receive it. So I know that sometimes just because of the sheer number of tweets and, you know, computer systems in between, you may not actually get a tweet right away from when it was sent out.
1: Right, good point there. I appreciate you for clarifying that for me because I was wondering about the times. Sometimes I'm thinking like, who's really that active? But (laughs) it's the president's account, so definitely have staff. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on a a couple other things that I think will be long-term indicators of the health of our economy. And so this phase one of the trade deal.
0: Yeah, um, seemed pretty great
1: so far. So so far, so good. Now, also along with that, there was the concerns that same week I, or a week before, we had a little situation where there's a false, there was a scare of the possibility of war based upon the Iran, Iraq, you know, that whole little situation there. You know, war typically, it, it, how, does, how does war, is that, is that, does that play in like a normal possible, you know, activity that can cause a dip or cause an increase? Or what's the typical, you know, activity for when there's mention of war? Thanks for watching this interview. If you're enjoying content like this, feel free to become a part of the RTD community by becoming a member via Patreon. All it takes is a monthly contribution of about $5 a month for more great content such as this. Just scroll down beneath this video here and click the Patreon link, and then hit this tab right here to become a member of the team. Looking forward to bringing you more great content. Now, let's get back to this interview. Thanks.
0: Yeah, it it can be. It can dip the market. It can can really pop other situations. Like when that whole Iran thing did happen and they were sending out some missiles, if you look at the futures overnight, uh, it really took a pretty big dip, but then it came right back. And by the time the market opened, it was actually up a little bit. So all this kind of stuff happened overnight because it was overnight. And it just kind of depends. If you look at defensive stocks, well, they're going to take off. You look at gold, which is defensive, they're going to take off. So we're going to be looking at some of that stuff if there is going to be continued... Uh, you know, troubles in the Middle East. Uh, As far as the overall market, yeah, they probably don't like that. You know, we don't really want to be seeing some turmoil. We don't want chaos. We don't want anything globally that's going to affect tensions. But so far, it seems as though, you know, what a little bit of a spat, kind of had to do some stuff, get some stuff straightened out. And uh, it seems to have all calmed down. And as far as the phase one deal, I think that's the bigger picture that's overriding stuff. And so far it happened, I mean, he was telegraphing that the phase one deal was gonna be completed and we didn't really know what that was or what was involved and who knew that there was a phase one versus a phase two, but it's here, it got signed. I listened to the, the speech and everything he said, there was a lot of pomp and circumstance, but they said some really good strong stuff about the potential future in phase two. So I know it's political, but we gotta take what we can. And it sounds like they're, they're really working on trying to make things go forward with our relationship with China, especially economically. That sounds good. I appreciate you sharing that. Now, I'm curious to get your thoughts on just looking at the, the current
1: health of our economy, whether it's artificial or real, QE driven or not, uh, where 10 years due, or 10 years past the last economic recessionary type of the great financial crisis as it's called. And so once again, typically the business cycle is every six, seven years, there's a correction. And so I want to get your thoughts on, you know, based upon the graphs, or have you noticed any unusual activity when you're watching the graphs or whatnot, or just doing what you do that can kind of pinpoint and see a slowdown here, increase there, or is that something that you can actually grab a hold of from the the graphs and things of that nature that you look at?
0: Yeah, usually some metrics, we we look at uh, transports, you know, the transport ETFs, the transport market. Uh, we, we try and look at say the yield curve. Uh, that was a big hot topic for a while the inversion of the yield curve It's become uninverted at this point. There are some things we try to look at um, So far nothing has really stuck, you know it Might have gone someplace, but it didn't really stick the transport market did kind of slow down for a little bit But now it's at least kind of back up there uh, The yield curve it did invert now. It's kind of back. Uh, we're, we're really not sure. We're kind of in uncharted territory You're talking about the business cycle. Absolutely we're talking about how long does a, a bull market last we've never had one last this long but we've also had some fairly good corrections within within it um, we've never had interest rates this low for this long and we've also never had the q the qe the, you know the fed actually buying assets for this long for a second round so we we really are in uncharted territory and it's kind of hard to figure out what's going on i also follow a lot of economic stuff and you know, we're you know we talk about booming economy okay, well, what about with these metrics? And it's really, really tough to actually figure out what's real or what's true and how that compares to back in the day because sometimes they change what the metrics are. They change the, the thing we measure them by, the ruler, so to speak. Right.
1: Now, as a, as a result of the environment we're in now, 10 years plus removed, the longest expansion, I believe, in our equities history or just mm-hmm. history in general yeah. – uh, I imagine that, you know, this is not me being a doom and gloom guy, but just being realistic, you know, you have an artificially extended time frame. I imagine when things happen to correct, assuming that you believe that there has to be a correction, you know, how severe could it, that correction be, given the fact that if everything was artificially in, induced, then if there was a correction, that means that it might be an extended time frame of, of things having to correct or is that subject to monetary policy or or, or what what would a, a true game changing correction possibly look like if at all, all right. you believe that's possible
0: well another couple of factors that you might want to uh, include in there are algorithms you know black boxes the fact that 70 percent of all uh, trading happens with computers and what this has been doing is it's kind of been having to make us as humans kind of relearn the stock market a bit and just kind of we have to understand that the algorithms are, are trading most of the market. And so when things move, especially to the downside, they move very quickly and they move a little bit deeper than we would normally do if, if just humans were trading this stuff. So that is something that we do need to be aware of. We just kind of kind of need to factor that into our, our trading and say, OK, you know, just get out when we need to. Um, for now, if you're talking about the overall, you know, either a recession or a bear market or a change of trend. You really should look at the moving averages on, on higher time frame charts, namely like the monthly or the weekly time frame, or look at the 200 SMA on the daily time frame for the over market, like the Dow and the SPY and anything like that, because that'll tell you what the overall trend is. As long as price is over those, and as long as those moving averages are still up, then we're still in an up, up to sideways market. Um, so far, we haven't seen anything yet that's going to tell us that this has changed. Last thing we saw was in December, it was a 20% correction. It was very stiff and for three months. But look what we did afterward. It was a very, very healthy correction that we needed. And that's kind of what we're looking at and saying, well, what are the, what's the next big one that we need to look out for? But we don't see it yet. All right. Sounds good.
1: Now, I'm curious to get your thoughts um, as to the, the, the technical analysis side of things that you know, is more short term. And then you have the long term investing. You, know, as you mentioned earlier about the, the 401ks, retirement portfolios, and the retirement side ideally for the baby boomers or whatnot that's involved in uh, the equities market that, that, that do not trade directly for themselves. Yeah. And so there's different strategies. I personally believe that after the great financial crisis, there was a, a, a shift in what I would believe should have been a shift in investing strategies in general. So not talk about advice or nothing like that, but just strategies. And so the younger generation, they, they will have some time possibly to recover If there is a correction Mm -hmm. whereas in the older generation those that are looking to get out of the workforce now or currently out they have a much different strategy so the, the amount of risk has increased significantly if things do correct or become problematic as someone who's in the market and looking at things the way you do what's some differences and probably approaches that you would you know kind of throw out there as ideas suggestions recommendations for the younger person who has some time perhaps and then the older person that may not necessarily have time to recoup if there are some
0: major losses. Yeah. Well, th- this kind of topic actually goes back to when I was with New York Life as a financial advisor and actually a little bit less than what I'm doing now as a trader. And what we try and tell people is that the older that you get and the closer to needing that money, you're going to have to change from a risky portfolio to a more conservative one. You might want to look into annuities. You want to look into you know maybe money markets, if that's right, mutual funds and then just generally safer ones. You know. And, real estate REITs you know i know that we had you know 2008 and all that but generally real estate can be pretty good you just want to talk to your actual financial advisor and say look i'm starting to get older and i need to figure out some ways that i can actually put this money into some safe things when you're younger you can be a little bit more aggressive as you said you have more time that you can work with now coming from the financial advising industry i'm a big proponent of life insurance i'm a big proponent of making sure that you have your insurance in place in the first place because that's what helps you that when something does go wrong, it doesn't have to come out of your bank account. It comes out of insurance. I know people don't always like the idea that and life insurance is kind of a, a weird thing to think about, but it is something that's very important. And then also you can think of permanent life insurance, which I've got a fair amount of it. I'm a big proponent of it. you got to figure out ways to defer your taxes, and life insurance is one way to do that. And then as you continue to grow, you know, we think we talk about 401ks and your company match and your IRAs, but not a lot of people talk about a Roth IRA. And a Roth IRA is very important because of the tax deferral situation and the tax free income you get when you finally do turn around and get it in your later, later in life. So make sure you look into these other avenues other than just saying, hey, I'm invested in the stock market. But when you're young, you do want to be primarily invested in the stock market. You might want to have some other assets, but make sure you diversify and make sure you understand your tax consequences uh, of what you're going to be getting into when you're later in life, you know, 65, 70, 75. understandable.
1: So one of the things I would like to definitely highlight and and hint on is the fact that the show being labeled, Rethinking the Dollar, a lot of my viewpoint happens to be about the long-term consequences of this current emergency measures we're we're having. And then i like to look at other nations around the world and kind of not necessarily paint a doom and gloom picture, but yet an alternative approach towards the same information we're sharing now. And so when it comes to setting funds aside, in markets and in doing type of practical things, you know, the advice that has been given. Um, would you say that it all depends upon a what what country you're in, or what region, or what the current uh, governmental policies are? Because a lot of things are problematic around the world. So the same information we're talking about now, perhaps in a country where their currency is an issue, this, the advice wouldn't necessarily apply because the the, the the problem could be the currency. And so in a case, wild wild west, can they say can, in a wild wild west scenario? down the line, if there was an issue with the Federal Reserve getting thing, things getting out of hand and the Federal Reserve note itself became problems, what are your thoughts and strategies for a worst case scenario that we, God forbid, ever happens?
0: Well, let me first kind of start with the, the, the first part of your thing, that if you are in a different country, then yes, you obviously need to know your laws, your rules, your retirement situations over there. Uh, we in America aren't going to necessarily know what your you know, IRA or Roth situations are happening in, say, Sweden or, or China. We, we aren't just we're just not going to know that. So you need to know what your country, your laws are and what your financial institutions are like that. As far as us, um, that's kind of a big speculative thing. I'm not entirely sure where to go with that other than saying that, you know, if we have problems, then it's like, OK, how do we then educate ourselves as to where else to go? I, I know that you can invest in other countries as far as you know, ETFs. You can go to emerging markets if you wanted to look at that and say, Well, I'm not happy with America and what their stock market is doing, but I see over here that maybe Mexico is uh, having a good one. You can maybe invest in commodities, you know, with um, batteries coming up. You could say, well, maybe lithium is something I want to do to help diversify because I see that lithium is going to be a big deal for batteries in the next coming decade or two decades. Um, You know, there's actually a ticker called SPCE, I believe, and it's for space. You can invest in space projects. You know, you can look at other different things to figure out that don't always have to be with financial securities, don't always have to be directly with 401Ks or IRAs. There are other ways to go out there. You can do real estate if you wanna do it yourself. You can do hard money loans. You can do, um, I think a bunch of other ways to avoid whatever the current economy as far as the the market might be doing. Interesting.
1: And so as we draw towards the end of our conversation, I'm curious to get your thoughts on just probably two two subjects. I got a lot of questions, but I wanna respect your time. Um, as far as the, the, the current health of our economy here, back home on homeland, uh, with the the, co- the corporate debt and the issues with the buybacks and, you know, uh, the, the tax cut that brought money back into our country as a part of the corporations, you know, revitalizing, making America great again. And so it, it looks like there might be a tax cut 2.0 coming for the middle class sector or whatever. And so... The, the increase in corporations buying back their shares for profit and all the things that go with that, you know, how healthy or unhealthy might that be for, you know, long-term holders of those shares. And I'm, I would imagine it's, it's beneficial for the short-term traders and whatnot. And g- give us some of the impact that, you know, the corporate buy, buybacks might have on investing long-term and short-term.
0: Yeah. Uh, as far as the, the tax break situation, I am, I am generally a fan of a lower tax bracket for corporations. I think we need to be competitive with the rest of the world, which do have lower tax brackets. I also think that if you make higher tax for corporations, they're just going to pass it on to the consumer anyway, because they need to make sure that their margins stay where they are. And so it's really just going to kind of affect us. Uh, I think that also the the companies can reinvest in themselves, reinvest in their employees. And I, I just think that generally lower tax overall is a better situation. Same thing with the middle class. I think lower taxes are great. That way, you know, we have more of our money to decide what we want to do. I think in general, that's how I prefer economies and governments and countries just to run. So I'm kind of a fan of the free market and just lower taxes in general. And as far as, say, corporate debt and buybacks, yeah, you could say it's a little bit of a house of cards when they start to buy this stuff back and it starts to inflate their stock price. I'm sure going back to your your P.E. ratios, it does throw it out out of whack. but you know, when we look at stuff, we, we're technical traders. We look at the the chart itself. And as long as it's going up and doing pretty well, we're okay with it. And we have our stops in place that if things change, we get out. And then we just kind of, we wait. The, the stuff that you're kind of talking about is going to be more for a, era, a fundamental uh, perspective with, you know, what is the health of this particular company? And is it really valued at the price that it's valued at for the shares that it has? And that's kind of stuff that, you know, for me, I don't really trade too much with. But it is good to know, and I want to know if we're starting to deal with a giant house of cards with a, a lot of these stocks right
1: well, well tg i appreciate you uh, taking time to join us here on rethinking a dollar it's great to get your insights from someone that's actively trading and whatnot and you are keeping an eye on all the measurements and metrics and you know things i'm excited to learn more about so hopefully have you back on the show down the line as we markets change or whatever or get better improve to get your thoughts and so can you can you leave the audience with a way to connect with you to follow you to get stay in tune with what you have going on to educate themselves as well
0: yeah well, my name is T.G. Watkins. I'm with Simpler Trading, so simplertrading.com. And my particular channel is Moxie Trader. So if you guys want to look at me there, but you can come out find us, simplertrading.com, and that's where we are. And uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm plastered all over that website. So come take a look, say hi to us, see what we can do. We got some free videos out there. And really what we're trying to do is just help everybody make money and do what they want to do in the future as far as their financial independence. So thank you for your time. I'd love to be on again, and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks for joining me.